0: This is the new Metro New York Market. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out the Brand Advocate podcast. This is episode two. Hopefully, you checked out episode one, the introduction, and you got to know a little bit more about myself, about Omni Food Sales, about what we do, about what makes the world go around for us in the food universe and the role that we play in getting food products from manufacturer to end user. I'm in the office today I'm gonna to be at appointments in meetings the rest of this week I'm gonna be out of town the week after that I'll be back the week after that and then I'll be back out of town going to the AMI meeting that's the meat expo um, the week after that so I wanted to carve out some time and I wanted everyone to get this episode um, it's a crazy wild exciting time in the food industry. All right, there's a lot going on. There's retailer consolidation there are threats from International retailers there are club club store retailers and then combined with all that there's the order from home and There's the um, the rising cost of doing business so I wanted to talk about all these things and get this out there so that you could consume this and we could start a dialogue you can uh, comment, you could let me know what you think, let me know about your ideas, contribute to the conversation, let me know what you think because I'd love to go back and forth and, and have a connection with you there. So what I basically d- wanted to do here is I went through uh, the Food Institute and some other supermarket trade resources. These are magazines that I subscribe to and that I read on a daily or weekly or monthly basis and I just wanted to throw out some things that are important to me and i just wanted to share what i think about them with you so i'm just going to jump right in so here's the first one the first biggest one and this is specific towards manufacturers and retailers in the new york metro market the two long island retailers that have sold out the first one is best markets all right it was back in november that best markets announced that they were going to sell 27 of its locations to the German deep discounter Lidl and that caught a lot of people by surprise because when A&P closed about three or four years ago Best Yet was one of the stores that was known as a smart local operator and they increased about 10 or more stores over the last five years. So they've really grown as a respected player in Long Island. Now I know in all of 2019 the stores are still best markets and that's the plan but we've heard about Lidl for a while. We know that Lidl is a huge international company. They've got not hundreds, they've got thousands of locations and they've got really a simple concept, which is low prices. All right. And we know that there's a home for that because the majority of shoppers in the New York Metro marketplace, I'd say the number one determining factor when people make a purchase, it is the price. It's the cost. There's a lot of talk about organic and better-for-you products, but at the end of the day, people only have a dollar that's going to get them so far. So price is the number one factor, and I think that Lidl does have a, a good model in place that there will be a void for that. Now, I think there are some, some things that Lidl does that, that maybe there are some shortcomings leaving consumers wanting more, for example, just uh, customer service or whatnot. But I just want to throw that out there that that's the first one Um, That closed we heard that Lidl was going to come into this market and they've come in in a a decent sized way I wouldn't say it's in a huge way. You know, it's Long Island, which is kind of isolated Which um, there's already club stores and other players out there So I view this as Lidl kind of doing a like a buy-and-see kind of transaction They're gonna buy these Long Island stores and I don't think that's the key to the whole Northeast No, not at all because we know there are other much larger players But in Long Island, I think Lidl can experiment and they can, they might be able to be successful. But one thing they've got to be careful of is the best market stores had a high level of customer service. A lot of people that were attending to your needs that you could talk to, there was a local neighborhood feel. And I think that was one of the key factors to best markets success was there was people at every corner. You could talk to someone, you could grab someone's ear and you could get in and out of that store fast. I've been in Lidl stores And good luck asking and finding help there. So that was the first transaction. The second transaction was King Cullen. This announcement came just a few weeks ago. King Cullen has been a staple. They are actually the first supermarket in America, believe it or not. After 90-some-odd years, what is it? After 89 years, King Cullen has sold out to Ahold, the parent company, to Delhaize, which is the parent company to Stop & Shop. Now, this one is less of a surprise. Over the last five to seven years, King Cullen's store count has decreased, the volume that they've been doing has decreased, and their ownership has really not been very aggressively trying to take on the newest products and or expand to the newest stores. They've actually you know, decreased their footprint. So from a business perspective, um, Stop and Shop, you know, they've made an announcement that This acquisition is, uh, let's see, let me read this quote. An analyst at Strategic Resource Group believes the acquisition will lower Stop & Shop's prices as it is increasing its procurement power to help compete against Lidl and Amazon, reported Newsday. Yeah, I don't really agree with that. I don't think the 32 supermarkets in Long Island, the King Cullen stores, are going to drastically increase Ahold & Stop & Shop's buying power. Um, this there's something different to this this is about perhaps Ahold needing to spend cash maybe Ahold just looking to make an acquisition but but basically the volume in these stores has been dying a slow death so this is this is you know the definition of buying something low and hopefully making it something high but in my opinion these consumers have already made new decisions about where they're going to buy their groceries there's a dozen other options in Long Island and I think Stop and Shop's going to have a lot of work to do if they're going to try to get those consumers back into these King Cullen locations. So why did Best Markets and why did King Cullen sell out within four months of each other after there hasn't been consolidation like this in years? Well, there's a number of factors. Number one is the minimum wage has gone up. As of January 1 in New York City, the minimum wage has gone up to $15 an hour for any company that has 10 or more employees. That's affecting a lot of supermarkets because, believe it or not, a lot of supermarkets have or had help that were making uh, that were hourly workers that were not making close to that. And now that those people are getting a raise, it's it's basically forcing the supermarket owners to either innovate or find ways to come up with that cash. All right. So the cost of doing business, labor, most companies' number one expense, has now gotten higher. Um, number two. There's the cost of goods, right, for manufacturers. The cost of manufacturing, the cost of transporting goods has gone up. There's a shortage of truck drivers in America right now. There's been a set of laws that have gone into place that have required truck drivers to take mandated time off and rest and sleep in between driving, and that's a good thing. And let me explain why. Because truck drivers were driving 15, 16 hours straight I mean, how many Red Bulls or whatever are you taking to drive 16 hours straight? And if a truck driver fell asleep and their car wiped out, they could take out a whole corridor of I-95. Forget about the people that they could they could potentially harm lives, but loads were getting damaged and and all kinds of things. So the law was put into place because drivers were manipulating these logs so that they could drive and make lo- and drop off loads as fast as they could. Now, loads are taking longer to deliver. It's more expensive to get loads to from x to y. So all these things are uh, are adding to the pressures put on supermarket retailers to perform. Then there's also the other factors I mentioned which is the pressure from all these other outlets. I mean, there's club stores, there's Amazon and Whole Foods, there's Walmart you know, there's Costco, and there's other traditional retail supermarkets that are on their game. So a lot of consolidation right now in New York. These two Long Island players are getting out of the game. They're giving it up to guys who are flushed, who have a lot of resources. You know, Lidl and Stop and Shop have a lot of cash, a lot of resources. They don't really have to put too much pressure on these stores, you know, to collect money right away. They can really just buy these stores and then just really just observe what they find in the market. But, but neither move kind of strikes me as a move that's going to change the industry or shake things up. Um, I see a lot of the same really occurring here. So be prepared for more consolidation. We got hit with these two um, moves right now. And to all the food manufacturers out there, you may have had a broker or a representative or a salesperson that handled your line for the last 20 to 25 years. With this consolidation, you need the people that understand the different distributors and end users and all the people in between. Because if you relied on an old source and he knew one retailer, but he now does not know the Ahold retailer or doesn't know the Lidl retailer, you're going to lose that business. And consolidation is going to continue in 2019. I can't tell you who, but I can tell you if I had to bet you a penny right now, That another retail chain in New York would consolidate in 2019 I would definitely bet you that penny all right someone else will go under because the cost of business is high and it requires more attention to detail than ever so you brands out there you need to have someone that is really tied in because if you don't you may have business today but then you may hear you may get a newsletter next week that says this retailers out and that may be a big customer for you And you may need to find out in a flash how you're going to continue to sell that customer. So you really need to have someone that's tied in. And, of course, myself, Sales, we are super tied in. So give us a call if you're interested. i got to plug ourselves. This is our podcast. Why not? So let's see. That's the change that's going on. What else? What is the next thing I want to reach out? Oh, okay. So this is a study I read about that I thought was interesting. The Retail Feedback Group, RFG, a leader in providing actionable stakeholder feedback. Today released the 2019 U.S. Supermarket Experience Study. The research found that supermarkets continue to maintain the strongest overall satisfaction score, 4.31 on a five-point scale, when compared to Aldi, 4.27, and Walmart, 3.93. Supermarkets also have the highest scores in quality and variety. Well, I'm so glad to see this. If you would have asked me to rank the three, this is how I would have ranked it. It totally makes sense for the main number one reason that traditional supermarkets you can go to and you could ask for help. The store experience in traditional retail supermarkets is far superior than what it is at Walmart and Aldi. All right. I go into stores every week. I make sure I get into all the retailers in this market. Try going into a Walmart And asking someone for help it's uh, it's very difficult number one to find a person and number two to find someone that's knowledgeable on the products Walmart's formula of just the lowest cost out there um, it's great for the price but they don't invest and they don't develop their people enough to help sell those products which I believe in 2019 as technology evolves and the difference between different companies becomes different the relationship that retailers have with their consumers its it is what is going to become the difference maker the secret sauce the separator between companies and when you go to a regular supermarket and you could easily find a department manager or a, an assistant manager and you can ask him hey where are these oranges from or you know where can I find you know the ground beef and you could have a conversation about these items It's priceless people want to make informed decisions and they want to do that a little bit more than they want to save an extra 50 cents or a dollar so these are all things um, Oh, the phone's ringing but I'll have to call that person back because if we stop this filming now we'll never resume so we got to keep going Um, traditional retailers the store experience is superior I'm not surprised at all about this Um, there's no communication wants to go into a store and if you have a question you're on your own so I'm not surprised by this at all here is another article that I came across and I'll just read the headline Kroger and Microsoft partnered to pilot two connected experience stores and market a retail as a service product to the industry Hmm. the stores located in Monroe Ohio and Redmond Washington we use a smart technology system called Edge Shelf, which uses digital displays to indicate information ranging from prices and promotions to nutritional and dietary information, as well as helps employees address out-of-stocks and improve curbside pickup orders. <sighs> Eureka, thank you. This is the innovation that's coming. This is this is just listed as a, a pilot. This is a test. But supermarket retailers out there, take note of this. This is what needs to happen. In order to avoid an industry-like disruption, similar to what we've seen Uber done to the taxi industry and what Airbnb has done to the hotel and travel industry, supermarkets need to increase their in-store experience now. Avoid being disrupted. Anyone could go online and order some things and have it come to them. Yes, why do people need to go to the supermarket? They need to go because they need to get products that they may not be able to get um, online. They need to be able to try things that they're not able to try online. Um, they need to be able to feel like they're part of the community. They need to be able to learn about things that they wouldn't learn about from home. And they, they, there should be a, a fair level of impulse buying. You know, hey, try this out. This is a new product. Check this out. You can see it. You can touch it. You can feel it. All these things that the Kroger and Microsoft – Uh, pilot are mentioning are golden all right it's information it's digital it's nutritional facts it's it's everything to help out of stocks improve curbside orders this is gonna happen in the next five to ten years on a wide level so just get ready for more things like this oh this next one I'm a huge Starbucks guy I love Starbucks I'm a big Starbucks fan Um, I'll tell you why in a second, but let me read what I thought was interesting about this. Starbucks, same-store sales, rose 4% in the quarter ending December 30th, 2018, driven by delivery and an increased focus on customer customer service. Its morning and afternoon sales were the best in five quarters reported routers. I'm a huge Starbucks guy for a number of reasons. Number one, the ambiance. When I go into a Starbucks, I feel like I'm in a special place. The lights are dim. All the colors and all the materials are, they're nice. They're high quality. Things move fast in Starbucks. You're moving along that line fast. And what's so cool about Starbucks? They ask you your name. Now, I know it might be a little intrusive. You may not want to tell them your, your real name. Who cares? Tell them a fake name. When I go to Starbucks, I'm Zach. And the barista knows that I'm Zach. And when the drink is ready, they're calling out Zach. Do other leading coffee places offer that kind of service? They don't. Alright, so the quality of the drinks is great. The time, I mean, I don't have to change anything in my schedule. I, I know I can get in and out of a Starbucks in under 15 minutes on a bad day. On a good day, five to seven minutes. Alright, that's great. That's speed. And there's personalization. They ask for my name. I could tell my name's Billy Bob Thornton. And they're gonna say, Billy Bob Thornton, your drink's ready. They do whatever you say. It's a beautiful thing. Personalization. Supermarkets take note. And food brands take note because there's things that you could do to market yourselves to people now. Here's another good one I read. More than three quarters of retailers are not able to track inventory in real time. Wow. And 55% don't have a single view of product levels across distribution channels. According to a survey released by JDA Software Group, 10 retailers are planning to test data collection robots, robots, real robots, in 2019 to improve their inventory management, reported the Wall Street Journal. All right, well, the first thing that I hear about on this is more than three-quarters of retailers can't track their inventory in real time. That's a problem. And I think 100% of retailers should be aiming to track their inventory in real time. So the fact that so the majority cannot is a problem because I know from working with stores and in, in the amount and the way that I do, a store with empty shelves doesn't make money and it doesn't help consumers get what they want. So if there's anything that can be done to help make sure more product stays on the shelves in a more timely fashion, it needs to be invested in. That's No one would argue with me on that in the food industry. So I thought that was wild, all right, just to show you... The things that are going to be coming in the food industry, technology that will help retailers see in real time what the amount of product is on the shelves. These are things that need to happen and will happen. And if you're a supermarket owner or if you're a food brand, uh, if you're part of a food brand, these are things that you should be thinking about on how to help retailers with this problem. It is a real problem. All right, here's another one. 73% of global consumers would definitely or probably change consumption habits to reduce impact on the environment, according to Nielsen. Yes, 73%. As consumers become more aware of what is in products they use and consume, they are willing to buy and pay more for items that simultaneously help the environment. Nearly half of consumers around the world are willing to pay more for products that contain all natural or organic ingredients. So again, to the food brands out there, consumers coming up now that are increasing in buying power are aware and want to know that you're doing things to help the environment. That's a real thing, all right? And it's 50-50 how much people are willing to pay more for that. So it's definitely a real thing. I mean, what could you do with this? I mean, when you put your packaging out there, you've got your top three product attributes on your package, maybe throw a fourth attribute on there that mentions sustainability and recyclability. Recyclability, is that a word? I'm not sure. But something about helping the environment because people that are coming up now, millennials, people like me, and my good Gen Z friends that are coming up behind me, we want to know these things. That We are socially, we are aware, we have a social awareness. We want to know, we're not going to screw up the planet anymore. So that's a part of our system. Here's another good one that you'll love. Young people have a connection to the people, places, and practices that raise their food. According to someone's research in the U.S., China, Mexico, and France, twice as many young respondents in the U.S. reported knowing a livestock or seafood farmer compared to those over 55. More than 50% of Gen Y participants changed their eating habits for sustainability reasons in the past year versus 19% of older U.S. respondents. Over 80% of survey respondents said the way an animal is raised is important, and almost half of them were willing to pay more as a result. Again, 50% of the people polled are considering or willing to pay more for a product that is socially conscious. All you brands, think about that, ingrain it, make it a part of your philosophy, and advertise it and share it and promote it. It will be embraced. If you want to develop a connection, these are the things you need to embrace. Oh, talking about trends. The global dairy alternatives market was valued at $7.3 billion in 2018 and is projected to reach $29.6 billion by 2023 at a compounded aggregate rate of 11.4% during the forecast period, according to research and markets. Consumer shifts from synthetic dairy products to vegan and plant-based products is one of the major factors driving the market for dairy alternatives. The global demand for dairy alternatives is increasing significantly, especially in the Asia Asia Pacific and European regions. So what's going on here, guys? I don't know if anyone ever saw the, uh, the, the documentary, What the Health?, but there are some side effects of dairy products that, that have been deemed harmful. And although some of those effects have not been broadcast or not been endorsed by certain agencies, I don't want to open a Pandora's box here, but I'll just state that there are certain agencies that protect the interests of food companies that you know may or may not want some of these reports released. But what I can tell you is there's interest in dairy alternatives, all right? There's interest in alternatives to traditional animal-based dairy, and that's something that food brands should be aware of. Here's another one. Case shipments of plant-based protein increased 20% from broadline food service distributors to food service operators in the year ending November. All right? Basically, We look now, plant-based protein. That's a real thing. That's a 20% increase. That's nothing to shake your head at. That's the real deal. All right, who could make a plant-based protein that could taste juicy like your favorite hamburger or your chicken nugget or whatever else it is that you enjoy in protein? That's something to watch. All right, switching gears. Biggest biggest threats to the world population. What do you think is the biggest threat to the world population? I'll give you the first one. Climate change. All right? But I I bet you you never guess the second one. Starts with an O. Obesity is among the biggest threats to the world population. According to a report by the Lancet Commission on Obesity, the commission recommended government subsidies of $500 billion dollars to beef, dairy, and other food industries worldwide should be shifted to sustainable, healthy farming, reported rooters. In America, we have an obesity epidemic. It stems down into children's schools where there's unhealthy foods, and it stems into what's available, easily accessible in the workplace, for lunch, in the majority of restaurants. Um, It's just there. So if your food brand can be part of something that would shift away from contributing towards that threat to the world population, that would be a plus. And by the way, the other biggest threat to the world population is undernutrition, which is unfortunate and affects some people. All right, more change, right? More more social awareness. New York City recently put in a ban on styrofoam products it took effect also on new year's day just like minimum wage all restaurants stores and manufacturers are no longer allowed to use the foam products to package food or fill packaging the city will not will not begin finding vendors until july so they got 7 months the reason why the styrofoam ban the majority of it winds up in landfills and doesn't you know disintegrate and it clogs up waterways So if your product uses styrofoam in its packaging, you may want to proactively get out of that. I mean, food manufacturers are not part of this ban. This is on single-use products. But if you're looking at the dots, looking a few steps down the road here, you may want to get out of styrofoam packaging. The state of Florida, a Florida state senator introduced a bill that would ban plastic bags and single-use straws in grocery stores, restaurants, and other businesses that sell food. The proposed bans would carry $500 fines for first-time violators, and $1,000 fines for subsequent violations reported new service of Florida. Um, right. well I think these fines are a bit hefty, and I think it'll take some time to get this law in, but this is the way things are going. In a matter of time, the plastic bags in supermarkets will be gone, And I think everyone will be using those recyclable, reusable bags, even if you don't bring it to the store. Even if you walk into a store and they put them underneath your cart, then you walk around and shop, and then you use that when you leave. It's just going to happen. So, I mean, just deal with it. Just face it. Look, that's coming. I thought this was interesting, too. Never heard of this company. TerraCycle is slated to launch Loop a program that offers consumers refunds for returning empty packages. About 25 companies, including Nestle, Unilever, Coca-Cola, Mondelez International, Danone, and Pepsi, agree to participate, and consumers will be able to return their packages via UPS at no charge. The program will debut online in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, as well as in Paris through a partnership with Carrefour, reported Bloomberg. All right. Packaging. Packaging is super important. It's the way a brand communicates its attributes. It says what's unique. It says where it's from. It, uh, it sells its story. It, people have connections to certain brands. There are certain brands that I'm always buying and bringing into my home and feeding and providing to my family. So packaging will always be a staple of food products because it's, it tells a story. But reusable and recycling the packaging, yeah, I could see this being something big too. You know, how much money does it take in manpower to recycle something? Send it in. Get a rebate. It'll streamline the whole process. I could see this becoming a bigger piece of the supermarket, food industry um, cycle in the near future. So watch out for that, too. I need to take a drink of water. All right. Here at Omni Food Sales, we are located in the beautiful South Bronx, the Hunts Point Meat Market. Right outside my window here, I can see the beautiful Manhattan skyline. I can see everything right from here. And uh, a few months ago, I was pleasantly surprised to see that Amazon was looking to open up their HQ in Long Island City, which is crazy. And I did a little reading about it and saw that um, New York offered a large amount of tax breaks to get Amazon to want to move here. In addition to being close to all the businesses and networking and people that are here um, the infrastructure that is already in place but I I gotta tell you I mean I'm from here New York has enough we have everything here we don't need an Amazon HQ I know it's gonna provide 25,000 jobs but the traffic and the commuting in New York is already terrible here we need changes to our infrastructure to fix that some of our highways are outdated um, anyways I'm reading articles today that it looks like Amazon may backstep out of that commitment and they may go to a new location. I'm not sure. Um, but I just thought, wow, wow, what's going on? All right, we, we know that Amazon, um, I mean, they are the giant in the room. And their acquisition of Whole Foods, uh, it put tremors throughout the food industry, and we'll talk about it more. Um, additionally, Amazon, separate from the Long Island City, Amazon HQ, Amazon is opening its first Bronx distribution center, right? And that's coming in soon. It's 120,000 square feet in Hunts Point. I'll be seeing them. The space was purchased for $26.5 million. Not too much, right? And Amazon's quote was, we are excited to continue our investment in New York to speed up delivery times for customers and provide great job opportunities for the talented workforce. Said Amazon in a statement to the Bronx Times. So New York, maybe I am biased. The most influential city in the country, if not the world, is having another player come in here. So everyone's eyes are open. Um, Like I said, the behemoth, the giant Amazon purchased of Whole Foods. I saw this note. Whole Foods is scrapping their smaller 365 store expansion. Whole Foods market once had an ambitious plan to broaden customer appeal with its 365 stores, but now it's saying goodbye to the cheaper and smaller store format. Whole Foods CEO John Mackey told employees the grocery chain will not open new Whole Foods 365 stores anymore, according to an internal email reviewed by Yahoo Finance. The existing 12 stores the newest of which just opened in Atlanta in December, will remain in business. So what does this mean to me? This means to me exactly what I thought it meant when, this was, when, this, when Amazon acquired Whole Foods, what was it, a year and a half ago or whatever. Amazon has so much money. They can buy Whole Foods strictly to learn about the distribution cycle, about how food is stored, distributed, transported, the cost associated with doing that. It's a complex business, and they're gonna treat it like a guinea pig. And Whole Foods had a niche in the marketplace. They had a small percentage of the market to begin with. The 365 was a theme to say, hey, people love Whole Foods, why don't we go try a smaller store format? And what this basically says is, it doesn't work for Whole Foods. The Whole Foods shopper, and really, the US shopper as a whole wants more choices wants the best choices, and wants to walk around in a big store. So that's what that's what I take from there. Whole Foods Market is reportedly eyeing sites that were previously home to Sears, Kmart, and other large retailers. Great idea, Whole Foods. That's a great idea. Go to some of these large locations and really enhance the store experience. Make it a site worth visiting and people will come. Whole Foods plans to cut prices for a third time since being purchased by Amazon, according to Whole Foods Executive Vice President. Well, that will help with sales. Whole Foods market's prices fell 2% in the year since being acquired by Amazon, according to Morgan Stanley. So Whole Foods is lowering their prices, but again, Amazon is subsidizing this. So profitability in Whole Foods is taking a hit. But Amazon has so much money, they don't care. They're doing whatever they can to get people in the door, and in some cases, to keep people in the door. Oh, and and I I read this. A basket of 60 items, including fresh and processed goods, cost $195, roughly 13% more than at a typical conventional grocery store. As the groceries' protein products, including eggs, chicken, and beef, were 28% costlier than the competition's reported Portland Press Herald. The same products at Whole Foods you can get at other retailers and you're going to pay roughly 13% more to spend at Whole Foods. It's got to change. There's too many options out there. The retail landscape, the supermarket landscape, the food landscape has so many players. It's a crowded space. And you can't hide behind what you hid behind before. Everything is out there. People are comparing. So I thought that was neat. I thought people would uh, appreciate that. And the last headline I got here, all the the young kids will appreciate this. PepsiCo began making deliveries with self-driving robots at the University the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. Students will be able to order baked Lay's, Sun Chips, or Bubbly sparkling water on an app and then meet the six-wheeled robot at more than 50 locations on campus, reported the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Um, Wow. I don't know what to say. I'd love to see it. I'd love them to include healthy options in this. And I'm not sure about, you know, robots. I don't know much, but I just thought that was interesting. The one thing I could say is... I've been I've grown up in the food industry my whole life. There's never been more change in the supermarket industry than there's been in the last five years, and in the next five years there will be more change in the supermarket industry and the way that people buy, store, and consume food than we've seen in the last 25 years. That's a fact. I've been in meetings with the largest retailers with food manufacturers. This is the real deal. This is coming. All right and the people with sound business models the retailers with sound business models will not only survive but they will thrive all right when you look around and if you're an industry insider like me you read things in the on the newspaper that oh this retailer is being bought by this this retailer is bankrupt and acquired by this there's a lot of consolidation because not everyone has the discipline and controls to watch stores and gross profit margin levels and sales And and billion dollar businesses. I mean, when you're talking sales for supermarkets, you're talking billion dollar businesses. That's why I love the supermarket industry so much. It's a huge industry that affects and impacts everybody's families nationwide. All right? So, retailers, food brands, you got to know your numbers, you got to know your customer, and you got to keep everything in line because there's going to be a lot of change and the weak companies both retailer-wise and manufacturer-wise, when a storm hits, the weak ones will be the first ones to fall out. And guess what? The stronger ones will just keep growing and getting bigger. And they will continue to be there. They will continue to stay. Um, I believe in the experience of the store and a lot of people want to continue to have a great experience in the store. If I could speak for my generation, I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial. I have a young growing family. Um, Yes, there are certain items that would be great if they could be delivered right to our door, but there's also a certain feeling I get from walking a store and seeing what's there, touching the products, and tasting the products. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I grew up, there was a certain experience you got, a certain feeling that you got when you went with mom and dad to the supermarket. And I think that's going to continue to stay. Uh, Maybe some things that I don't have a brand loyalty to, or I don't care what brand it is, maybe I won't care. That's just what I think. Those were some of the headlines that I just put together quickly that I wanted to share with you, my thoughts and feedback. I would love to hear what you think, um, if you agree, especially if you disagree. I want to hear who disagrees with me. I don't want to hear who agrees. I want to know who disagrees with me. So if you disagree, send me a comment, like, post this, share this, blast it out to your whole network and friends. Say Zach doesn't know what he's talking about or say I disagree with Zach for this reason. Let's start a conversation and let's talk about this. Heck, come on in. Let's talk in person. But I love having educated conversations with um, educated professionals about this industry that I'm so passionate about. So it's getting late. It's been a long day. I've got a busy week ahead of me. I'm going to wrap this up right now. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 2 of the Brand Advocate Podcast. We've got an exciting lineup for you to check out, so listen to the rest, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in.